Sunday morning Bible study, but this, for some reason, is special because those who come here generally come because they really want to and need to. You may, obviously, you may... a real effort to get here. Sometimes you don't even have enough time. But uh, this is not, you don't come here because it's Sunday morning and you should expect it to come. So I have that in mind when I prepare these messages. It's easy to preach to those who want to hear it like it's easy to cook for those who are hungry. And I understand, sometimes I, I don't, I lose sight of this, but I do understand it's the middle of the week and you're tired. But I have trouble leaving out things. Those of you who've done any teaching, understand what I'm saying, don't you? You think this is too good, they're going to love it. But I know you're tired and uh, I'll try to be as brief as possible. But we need some help. This middle week service is vital. The old writers put great stock in midweek service. The old Puritans and all. We need help during the week. We need, as it were, some food to go on to get to the back to the end of the week. Because Sunday is a day of rest. It really is. And you can get a double portion even a triple if you listen to the radio. A triple portion, and you can just last 24 hours. <laughs> you can last a little while anyway. You can just feel refreshed. But the middle of the week, you need this, this, uh, what's the word? This, the oasis in the middle of the week. So I want to give you more than a sermon at these times, more than just doctrine. The consolation in Christ. Now, that ought to sound good to you. It did to me. It just couldn't get away from that line. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Now, consolation, the word consolation means that which consoles you. Console means gives you comfort. It uh, alleviates your fears and your anxiety sorrows and your troubles. It, it comforts you. It's consolation. As someone in trouble and at least comforting. Now, Sunday morning we were chatting a little bit. We need that. We need to be reproved, rebuked, corrected. Because we're little children. We need that. We were chatting Sunday for our self-pity, our times of self pity and moodiness and poor-mouthing our poor old lady. Mark, I say we were childhood. I was. I do that. bad thing about when I do it, everybody sees it. It's no hiding from me. And, uh, but it's, it's never right. It's never right when we come into this life. Our Self-pity and all that needs to stay at home. Because there's a larger picture than us. There's something greater to say than our own personal 
temporal well-being. We are here to build one another, one another up. To, as Hebrews says, exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. And encourage one another. Verse 4 here of chapter 2, he says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That, that was the mind Christ had. He didn't look on his own things, but on the things of others. And he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief from his youth up. He was hunted like an animal from the day he was born. And very few friends, really. If we considered others more than ourselves, we would quickly see greater problems than our own. Know that? We sure would. We just look around and consider others. I mean, really stop and consider others. We would see quickly see problems greater than our own. And we would see that we need to do some consoling ourselves. Understand? That we need to do the consoling rather than be consoled. Nevertheless, tonight is not a chiding message. <laughs> tonight is a message of consolation for everyone. Because we all need and this is going to show us why we should not be full of self-pity. Why we should not be full of woe is me and bemoaning our sad state when the fact is it's really not a sad state at all. We have a consolation, a great consolation. We sorrow. Believers sorrow over many things. We're going to see them all. Yet, we don't sorrow as those who have them. The sorrow of the unbelieving world is a distraught, woe, no help, no hope. The end, it's all over. Sorrow, but not the believer. No, no, no. We have this consolation in Christ. Now, Paul wrote this. Now, I want you to remember where he was when he wrote this. All right? Don't ever lose sight of, the, of where he was when he wrote this. He's sitting in jail. Huh? He says, you think on the things of others. That's what he was doing. If anybody could have bemoaned their sad condition and been thinking on their poor self, all could have been here. Woe is me. And he was there. In a, he, he didn't deserve it. He was unjustly, unfairly treated. But he concluded, he said, and he was thinking on those who were who were feeling sorry for him. Well, let's look at it. Paul's in prison, and he's going to be killed. Now think about this too. He's not only going through some difficult Tough thing. He's, he's going to be killed soon. He's going to die. He knows. But these are not the words of a woe is me man. Of a man full of self pity. 
Had he been thinking of himself, he would have been talking about himself, and he would have been bemoaning his trouble. But look at chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He writes, and I said, I think my God is on every remembrance of you. I've been thinking about you, he said. Verse 4, I've been praying for you, and every prayer of mine, making requests for you, which he could have been making requests for himself, you know, Lord, get me out of jail. He's thinking about other people. He's thinking about them. He's praying for them. You see that? Paul, would you like to have the contentment of Paul? He, it, this is the book he said, I've learned what's there to stand in people. This is the book where he said, rejoice. And everything, this is the book where he just keeps saying, rejoice, give thanks. Be content. Where is it? In jail. Well, I'd love to have that. How? Take on things of others. That's what he's doing. That's, it. That's what he's doing. And he's not woe as Paul at all. So I was thinking about you. I've been praying for you. Verse 5, chapter 1. Through your fellowship in the gospel from first day until now. Oh, I remember you. I pray for you. I think of you. Verse 7. You're in my heart. <laughs> You're just on my mind all the time. I've been thinking about you. As for me and my troubles, he said, verse 12. As for me and my troubles, I want you to understand, brother, the things that have happened to me, this is what the gospel said. It's all God's will, God for God's gospel. Now, Paul, you remember us studying this, that some fellows were adding insult to his injury. While he was in prison, they were saying, see, he got what he deserved. He's as smart as I am. He wouldn't be in jail. And they were really breaking his heart. And... Uh, but that doesn't matter. Paul says, verse 18, that, that's all right too. Christ was preached and I rejoice. Yeah, yeah, I will rejoice. I continue to rejoice. Verse 20 and 21. He says, My earnest expectation and hope is that in nothing I shall be ashamed. And with all boldness, as always now, as always, so now also, here's my hope, is that Christ shall be magnified in my body, Christ shall be glorified and honored in my body, in my life, what I'm doing, where I'm at, what I'm saying, how I'm acting. Whether I live or die, it doesn't matter. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is they kill me. Wonderful. If I live, Christ is on. What an attitude, huh? So Paul's attitude was selfless. Paul's attitude was believing. Paul's attitude, he believed God. Somebody not believe God is he now? Will he Barbara? Paul's in jail. I was preaching. I'm your apostle, Lord. I'm going all over the world preaching the gospel. What am I doing in jail here? Why, why would you do? Not for a moment. Did he? Not for a moment did he even question God's will. Not for one second. 
rejoicing, confident. Verse 25, I have this confidence, he said, that I shall abide. And I'm going to live as long as the Lord has purposed me to live, and I'm going to accomplish something through, through him. Verse 28, I had nothing that terrified by the adversary. Without fear of adversary. Listen to this, if I over in Acts chapter 20. Now Paul was writing to the, or met with the Ephesian elders and uh, in Acts chapter 20 and he said to them, he was about to leave and they would never see him again. And he said, now I'm going bound in the Spirit. That is, I'm bound in the term to go to Jerusalem. Acts 20, 22. Not knowing, I don't know really what's going to happen there, except, he says, the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, wherever I go, that bonds and afflictions await me. That I know, I know that I'm going to end up in jail. And perhaps dead. But, he says, None of these things move me. I don't count my life dear under myself. Because he's the one that wrote Christ in our life. You with me? I'm going to give you some consolation. This is not chiding. I'm just telling you. This, there's, a, there's a secret here. There's a secret of contentment and consolation and joy. and It's, it's selfless thinking. Let this mind be in you. Don't think on your own problems. Think on things like this. This is the mind of Christ who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of the servant. Yet he became obedient even unto the death of the Thought nothing of it. Like Paul said, none of these things move me. Christ set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem, knowing what things would befall him. Cruel, tortured, imprisoned, death, hideous, terrible death, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised, thinking nothing of the shame. But he's right now set at the right hand of God. <laughs> ah. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11. I want you to see this. Paul said, uh, none of these things move me. I, I don't get my life here under myself. I have a course to finish with joy. That's what he said. That I might finish my course with joy. Do you have a course? Sure you do. If you're living, you've got a course. You've got to put you on it. Hebrews 12, one of us runs the race that is set before What is it? The human race. Of a disciple. But I'm not. I don't do it. If you're living and breathing, you're doing it according to God's will and purpose, and there is a will and a purpose to you find it. Now I'll tell you what it is. Serve Salt. Say your other things, not sin. Right? That's what it's all about. If I'm a member of the body, I have purpose, right? Let me ask everyone in here. 
what member of your body, what uh, part of your body, any part of your body are you willing to do without? Now, all uh, large or different features that you don't like, notwithstanding. <laughs> I'm not saying that you like to change your ears or nose or whatever you don't particularly like. But I'm trying to say, what little member of your body, what anything would you do with that? <coughs> your little, the nail on your little toe. How about that? Can you do with that? I'm so shy to this day. Absolutely toe shy. Don't you know? Since I dropped the bowling ball on my toe. I'm toe shy. I guard my toe with passion. If something moves, boy, I jump. I know what it's like for it to hurt my toe, and I went a long time and it was awful. Can't do it without even a little stone. This is what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. Because the eye, because the foot is not the eye, it can't say I'm going to have Oh, I'm the mouth, and you're the little toe. You're not important. Go without it a while. You see how important it is. You have to learn to walk all over it. You just think it's that. Gallbladder doesn't have any purpose. Ask some of these people who've done that. <laughs> well, uh, if we're a member of the body, we have a vital purpose. We sure do. We have a course. We have a course to run. Second Corinthians 11. Look at this. Paul, uh, this is much later, after he'd gone through great trials and afflictions. I've really got to hurt. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. Listen, listen to all of this. <laughs> it's just astounding. Of the Jews, now he's relating what happened to him. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, say one. 245 lashes. No, that's uh, what, what is it? Five times 40, 200, 195. 195 lashes. Most people didn't survive one whipping with that cat of nine days. Most people died under one lash. Five times. Read on. Three times I was beaten with rods, not a lash, a huge stick. Uh, once I was stoned. I mean, they didn't pick up pebbles. They took up big rocks. This is when Paul died. And uh, 2 Corinthians 12, the next chapter, is where he talks about somebody going to heaven of heavens. That was him. They took him up for dead. They beat his brains out of rock. How long do you think he was getting over there? He suffered permanent bodily damage. You know Read on. A night and a day I've been in the deep. He treads water for one point in the ocean. Sharks. And journeyings often. Journeyings on foot. Hundred thousands. 
miles. Uh, perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils. One time I got bit by a poison snake, remember? In perils by my own countrymen, my friends. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watching for often, hunger, thirst, fastings, cold, naked, beside, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, all these churches, all over the place were pulling at it. As to his advice, his care, one man, he could not be spread thin. Verse 29, who is weak and I'm not weak? You see what he's saying? You, he, what he's saying is, you, you, are you weak and you, you, you suffering and troubled and you go through times of despondency and do you not think that he didn't go through those things? Going through all that? Bodily pain. Who has bodily pain? Paul says, I don't have it. 24-7. Who is offended? Verse 29. Who is not offended? Who is offended? And, and I burn not. That is, you've been wrongly treated and you get angry and you want to offend yourself. Defend yourself. Can you imagine? Nobody did anything right to Paul. Oh, you'd want to wreak vengeance on everybody. Go back to chapter 1, now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, Paul was just a man. He's flesh and blood. He's a man of like passions as we are. Temptations, troubles, thorns in the flesh. He had the same deeds as us. <coughs> He had more than he had. I mean, he went through more than he Whatever. Right? I don't expect anybody here to suffer a fraction of what I'm talking about. Where did he get his consolation, Sam? Sounds like he's got some, doesn't it? Where did he get it? I want some of it. Where did he get his comfort in all that? Look at chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy, and the God of all comfort. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation? Remember who's writing here? Well, he's been through. You know who he's talking about, Teresa. I'm going to listen. Now here's why he does it. He comforts us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort them that are in trouble. Why does something happen to us? Oh, it's for our good. Yes, it's for our good. For our growth, for our spiritual strength, strengthen our faith, but that we might in turn help somebody. For that by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation aboundeth by Him, by Christ. It's consolation in Christ. Christ is our consolation. Now listen to me very good. 
the Lord Jesus Christ did not appear to the Apostle Paul in person but one time when he first went, well, after he first appeared to him on the road to Emmaus, I mean, on the road to Damascus. The second time was when he was in Corinth. After that, no more. We might, we tend to think, well, the Lord really specially appeared to Paul once. No. No, Corinth, he, he spoke to him and said, You stay right here, I have much people in the city. He was getting ready to leave. No, you stay right here. Not after that. No, the Lord spoke to him from heaven. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He had no special resurrection. But he did his consolation. Same place to be out. Same place to be out. It's in a person. Alright, two things. Let me give you these two things if you're taking notes. Number one, what is this constellation in Christ? Number two, where do we get it? How do we get it? What is this constellation in Christ? Now, let me ask you a question. All your bodily pains, sufferings, and material, worldly problems, things that you go through, not diminishing any of these things at all. Some of you have been through bodily pain that I haven't known. I'm not diminishing these things at all. Sorrow, things like that. Not diminishing those at all. But let me ask you, those who claim to be believers, what is your single greatest source of grief and trouble? The thing which gives you more trouble than anything else, which causes you endless grief, sorrow, trouble, and, and inward strife, and unbelief, and wisdom. Is it not sin? David, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John 1. <coughs> David had typical troubles in life that we have. He's married, he had children, well, he had more. He had kingdoms to oversee and met lots of children and lots of wives. But. Uh, he had those tip, the typical problems we had. But here, David said this. David said, My sin is ever My loins are filled with this loathsome disease. You remember what our brother Henry Sword said one time. I, I still like it. He said, Sometimes I try to run away from my trouble. And when I get there, I'm still there. <laughs> we are our biggest source of trouble. Our own sinful selves. But there's consolation. This is what we need. I'm telling you, this is what we need more than anything else. The first thing, the one thing we need, forgive us of sin. Deliver us from guilt. 
This is the consolation in Christ. This is the first consolation. This is the greatest consolation in Christ for a sinner. These things are going to be with us. The troubles of this life. But our sin, oh. Look at verse uh, 1 John 1, verse 9. It says, Now, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of us. Now, the Scripture, the consolation is this. Though our sins be as dark, Unto us is preached forgiveness of sin. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be forgiven. God, for Christ's sake, forgives thee. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. He's faithful and just to forgive. He's just because God laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. All the iniquities of us all. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And he's faithful, so he's just forgive because Christ's faithful. He's faithful. This is a faithful saying. And it's worth listening to. Christ came in the world to save sinners. Now, who wrote that? Paul. <laughs> he said, I'm the chief. I'm a blasphemer, a jury, a persecutor, and I'm still the chief. He said, Whoa, isn't it? There's no goodness in my place. He said, There's forgiveness. John said, If any man sin, little children, don't sin, but if you do, verse 1 of chapter 2, we have an advocate. So, this is the consolation in Christ. This is a faithful saying. Christ said, I give unto them eternal life. I give it, freely give it. And they'll never perish. Who? Whoever trusts Christ. No matter how bad a sinner he may be, she may be. And Christ said, I give unto them eternal life, and they'll never perish. And he said, uh, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Here you are. I hope, I think, you come to worship Christ, to hear of Him. Well, He's coming. I know I'm just No way. No way. And for no reason, all matter of sin shall be That's consolation in Christ. Now, the gravy on the bread is promises of hell. Christ has promised all things. You remember our message Sunday morning? Huh? Spiritual and material help. Uh, spiritual help is this. Now, he shall perfect that which concerns you, us. And they will. He that hath begun a good work will perform. Folks, 98% of this message is scripture. So get some. Turn with me to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. Alright? You remember what our Lord said? He said, Now, your Father knoweth you have need of all these things. He's promised us all these things. What things? What was that? Food and raiment and clothing 
that involves many things, doesn't it? If you're going to have food, you're going to have rain, you're going to have clothes, you're going to have a job, you're going to have money, you're going to have to have a house. You know? huh? <laughs> what? Think of something. Anything. Your father knows what you have He tells us to ask daily for our daily bread because he gets the glory for us that way when he gives it to you. If you just presume upon it and it comes, you think chance brought it there. But if you ask the Lord for it, he makes you mindful of man can receive nothing except it's given and you give him thanks for it. And he gets the glory for He's going to give it. Your father knows you have to Huh? I couldn't help it. I just, uh, my daughter came in and uh, this morning I was sitting in a chair reading and she got up early and uh, she's going to a job she had, a temporary job. And, by the way, that just hurts me for her to go to work. <coughs> it really does. It, it just hurts me. I sure not going to expect her to pay for anything. I mean, honestly, a loving parent doesn't, doesn't want anything from a child. Anything. Anything. Except thanks. And love, right? Who be it? You don't want anything. Pay up. Pay for her to win. Anyway, I, I was thinking, she went in there and she opened her free bed and just. just I'm the food out and she's a growing girl. She just started grabbing <laughs> milk jugs and bread. And, uh, you know, and I, I thought, she didn't pay for any of that. But I thought, eat up, honey, eat up. It's all yours. Whatever I have is yours. Does it give you great pleasure, Brother Stephen, to provide for those things, huh? Great pleasure. It thrills you. What do you want? All I expect of is obedience and just acknowledge me. Thanks, Dad. Love me. The moon is yours. Huh? Pay up. <laughs> he earns a. Oh, like I said, it kills me for her to go over for eight hours. Oh, honey. But uh, and our Lord doesn't make us work. He really doesn't. It's his joy. It's his good pleasure to give these things. Your Father knows. Isaiah 65 verses 17 through 19. He says uh, here. Now, behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Former shall not be remembered nor come unto mind. In the mind, be ye glad and rejoice forever in what I create. Behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no more, not ever again, will it ever one cry ever be heard again, no tears ever will be seen in my heaven again. We're going to be glad throughout all eternity. <laughs> I'm the father and all of my children will be there. We're going to have a good time. Now that's the consolation, is it not? Woe is me. Woe is you! 
You're a child of the King, an heir, a joint heir with Christ. Oh, but I don't have what the world. The world is getting the world and what the world has come to it. You remember when David in Psalm 73, oh, I've been wicked. They're just fat and sassy and they don't give God a thought. And when his kingdom comes, he's not going to give them a thought. This just lasts 70 years, which is like that, isn't it? Henry Sword. 70 years old. It's gone. But eternity has no end. Would you spend 70 years in trouble and sorrow for eternity of that Put it in that light. Do we have a consolation in Christ? Now, Paul, remember, Paul is in prison. Paul is in prison. Stay right there at Isaiah 66 that we just read. Paul is in prison. Paul doesn't have anything. Anything. No TV, no computer, no microwave, no refrigerator, no nothing. He doesn't have any material comforts. No nice, soft, downy bed, nothing. At one point he said, everybody is forsaken me. Nobody's with me, he said. He's about to leave this world and going to get his head cut. And he said he wrote to young Timothy, who's out there free, laying on the feather bed. Laying on the feather bed at night. And he wrote to Timothy. He said, cheer up, Timothy. Don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Paul said, I'm ready. You see, this consolation in Christ, only this consolation in Christ can have a man sitting there on his deathbed. And down the chair. And say, I'm ready. Without that, he claimed to this life with every last gasping breath. Paul said, I'm ready. Where did he get this consolation? Huh? Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. I'll give you two places to look. And notice where we're looking for this consolation. Where are we looking for the consolation? This is it. This is the only place you know about God's Word. Isaiah 66, verse 10. Now rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her. Who's Jerusalem? Right here. This is it. We're Jerusalem. This is New Jerusalem. This is Mount Zion. Rocky Mountain, Mount Zion. Same thing. That is where the church is. Read on. Be glad. Oh, you that love her. You love God's church. Uh, all you that love, rejoice for joy with her. All you that mourn for her. We mourn, we rejoice together. That you may suck and be satisfied with the breast of her consolations. Breasts of consolation. And then he gave the gift that you may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. What's he talking about? Milk. Have you ever heard that before? 
That's right. Milk of consolation. Peter said this, and Peter's about to die. Peter's about to die. He knows he's going to be crucified. He said, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Milk of consolation. Milk of the Word. Look, look, look here. It says now in verse 14, your heart's going to rejoice and your bones will flourish. You're going to be dandled on the knees as a mother, comforted, dandling on the knees. You ever watch the baby uh, nursing? Of course you will now. You yourself got great pleasure in that. And boy, the child does. Really does. We've been watching this Mexican baby and listening. She's just, oh man, she's just, just slurping. And you know, oh man, this, she's just having a big time. She's, nothing's bothering her. While she's nursing, you know, just constant, totally peace and consult. And boy, is she getting fat. Breastfed babies are the healthiest. Without a doubt. Fat, got all his immunity, so many things. Breastfed believers are fat. They grow fat spiritually. They have consolation. They have great consolation. They have great comfort. Their hearts are enjoyed. They got good bones too. Good bones. Not bad bones, Lauren. They got good bones. They don't break easy. They're set. God's Word is this sincere milk of the Word where we find consolation. Psalm 119. Hurry. Hurry with me. I've got about 35 more scriptures. <laughs> I really do, but we don't have time. Now, honestly, I have a bunch of scriptures. Psalm 119. Did you think I was going there next? If we're going to look in the Word for some consolation, what part of the Word better to look at? In Psalm 119. Because Psalm 119... From verse 1 to verse 176 is all about the Word. Every single verse has something to do with the Word, except one or two. Every single verse, 174 verses, directly mention God's Word, God's statute, His uh, uh, testimony, His covenant, His law, His Word. Whatever you're going through, whatever time, whatever, whatever it is, whatever need you have, you'll turn to Psalm 119. And start thinking. Start sucking. Start sucking. You'll find consolation. Guaranteed. If you have not my word on it, And I just, I just browsed through here. I just thought, well, let's go to Psalm 119. Any, many, mind up. Honestly, put your finger down and find something that just makes you need. Look at verse 49 and 50. Remember the word of thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort. Your word is quickened me. We get all down and dead, and what is it that quickens us? Huh? Verse 52. I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Verse 65. You dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according unto you. Just like you said you were. Verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. How do you know that, David? 
Verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Verse 92. Unless your law, your word, has been my delight, I will perish. Is that right, Mr. Martin? Do you like your word? That's consolation. That's sweet consolation. Who is saying this? It's a person. It's not a book. It's not the Bible. It's Christ, the living word. This is a person. He said, I live. Behold, I live forever. And he wrote this. He said, I say, He that abided in me, my words abide in you. Consolation. Consolation. So, there is no consolation anywhere else. There's no consolation anywhere with anyone else in anything else. Doesn't matter what it is, no matter how feeling it may seem or how attractive or you know what it promises. No matter what it promises, the happiness it, it's deceitful. Remember that the deceitfulness of things our Lord said. There's no consolation in anywhere or anything or anyone except in God's Word. We need to take every opportunity. And, and this Word, not just reading the Bible, but when you see Christ in it, you look for Him in it. When you read it, here's a, here's a key. When you read like Psalm 119, don't think of it as I'm reading the Bible. Think of it, this is, this is God saying this. This is my real living Lord here, my heavenly Father, who knows best. This is my Father talking to me here. His Dad's talking to me. You see, that's how we read. Have a Father. Son, He's my Word. And it, it'd be lied to you then. It won't just be reading lied. And take every opportunity to feed on it. If you leave off, leave off feeding on it, you'll be weak. No doubt about it. Leave off feeding on it. Feed on the Word. This is how you get strong. Take every opportunity to hear it. And uh, feed it on This is where Christ is found and all your consolations in Him. Who He is, what He's done, forgiveness of sin, what He promised. Oh, I haven't seen deer have heard. Neither have there in the heart of man things that our Lord God prepared for them. But cheer up. Cheer up. Christ says so. It's going to get real good. <laughs> All right, stand with me. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, we thank you for your word. It is indeed comfort, consolation to poor sinners. We, our understanding is so finite, our minds are so weak, our faith is so weak. We know that we've heard 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We know these things in our head. We ask earnestly that you would instill them in our heart. You would force us, make us to lie down in green pastures. Feed us with this great conviction. Sit us on your knees. Sit us down and cause us to suck these breasts of consolation of your word. Old and new. And we might grow. For your glory and our good, in Christ's name we pray. You're listening.